I just, I just can't get out of John 17 right now. <laughs> so, so we're going to have a talk from John 17. Brenda and I are going to uh, team, tag team this, this message. I'm going to start and she's going to finish. If we're going to center around five, five statements that we see in uh, John 17, starting with verse 24, towards the end of the prayer. It's a prayer, the amazing prayer of Jesus to the Father, and uh, expresses his vision for the church. What is the desire of Jesus' heart is the title. The desire, first of all, first point, the desire of Jesus' heart is you. Face it, you are loved. Face it, Jesus has a ache in his heart for your presence, for your, for your personhood, for, for who you are. His desire is for, for you. John 17, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. Jesus is looking forward to heaven, and he's saying, the most exciting thing about heaven to me is you. <laughs> You're going to be there. I, I love you so much. He's just so filled with love for you. You think about it. I think Jesus is so filled with love that when, his, when, he, would go up, when he went up to Peter and John and said, hey, I want you guys to leave your job and follow me, I think he just so was filled with love that they just couldn't say no. It wasn't human love, it was divine love, but it's like irresistible. That's the kind of love he has for us. The kind of love that looks at Matthew at his tax collector's booth and just says two words. He just says two words. And Matthew just gets up and walks away. Walks away from his job to follow love. He is smitten by the love, infinite love of Jesus Christ. And I, I, it's beyond anything I could even describe or with words, this great love. He is just absolutely for each one of us. He loves us. His heart aches for us forever. Do you know that every New Testament book references our future with Jesus forever? in a wonderful, powerful, invitational way. Every single book of the New Testament. I want, Father, I desire, my heart's desire, my heart's ache is that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. And I'm going to heaven and they're going too. Hallelujah. J.I. Packer wrote it this way. The final goal of redemption for the individual is everything involved in Christ's triumph. The end of sin, his church imperfection, ultimate joy, and the glory of God, all of which will become reality. Reality, reality for us. C.S. Lewis, in The Last Battle, the last book of the, of the Chronicles of Narnia, last chapter, describes it. As kind of a parable, listen to what he writes. The dream is ending. The, this is the morning. 
And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the thing that began to happen after that, which was so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. Glory. The Holy Spirit thinks about your experience in your future all the time. He's looking forward to the second coming of Christ. Remember? And he stirs you to have the same desire. The spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit independently, the spirit, Holy Spirit in you, stirring you with the same desire that Jesus has for you. He's stirring that desire in you for him. And the burden is light. It's very light. Hallelujah. There is an intriguing twist on Jesus' desire in that he hasn't gone to heaven yet. We know he's referring to heaven. He wants them to be with him where he is in the future. Yeah, you get that? But notice that it says that they may be with me where I am, present tense. He hasn't gone to heaven yet. He wants us to be with him. He wants his disciples to be with him where he is. Well, where is he? He's in heaven while he's on earth. There's that wonderful, wonderful passage in um, John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 13. It reads, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man who is in heaven. He was in heaven before he came and born, was born as a baby on that first Christmas morning. He's in heaven now after his death, resurrection, and ascension. But you know what? He never left heaven. While he was on this earth, he lived with his affection set on the parallel universe of the glory realm. He... he had that experience of the unseen world being his biggest reality, and that's his invitation for us, too. Do you know that more than anything else, Jesus just wants you? I want you to understand when I say this, because a lot of times us preachers say, you know, we say, like, you need to read the Bible more, you need to come to church more, you need to tithe more, you need to worship more, you, need to, you know, we got our list, and you've got your own list in your back pocket, but you know what? Jesus only has one thing on his list. He wants you. He wants, it. he wants to feel close to you. He wants you to feel close to him. And you know what? There's greater levels and dimensions of closeness with Jesus for all of us. Not just forever in heaven, but right now. And I want to ask you a, a kind of a personal question. Is there anything in the way? Because if there's something in the way, get it out of the way. 
my sheep hear my voice. Any prophetic word that might be given to us is a con- only a confirmation of what he's speaking to us. Let's be a people in 2023 that hunger and thirst for a person whose name is Jesus. Let's realize there's deeper dimensions of love. There's deeper dimensions of being smitten by his grace. There's deeper b- dimensions of realization, realizing his mercy. There's deeper dimensions of experiencing the depth of his, of his closeness that it affects other people around us. I remember reading in John Wesley's journal one time, and it said, it said, didn't say I preached Christ to 10,000 people. It struck me as really rather intriguing. He, he wrote it this way. I gave Christ to 10,000 people. Do you want to be that kind of person? Do you want to be that kind of person that everywhere you go, you don't have to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you don't have to share the four spiritual laws or the, or the soul winning script with them. He, I'm for that. I think you know that. But more important than anything is that out of our, that we, that we have such a, such a breakthrough, such a personal ba- breakthrough in our own journey that the person of Jesus envelops us in such a way that every person we meet, Christian, pre-believer, grandchild, grandfather, they experience Jesus profoundly in our presence. Paul Young, he Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world for years in Seoul, Korea. He told his ministry team, his leadership team, whatever else you do, nothing is as important as every single person that we pastor in this church. Every single time we meet them, every meeting we have with them, every interaction, every social interaction, every spiritual interaction, every time there needs to be some kind of church discipline situation, anything, any, any interaction at all, every single time, you must give them Jesus. You must give them Jesus. And what is so cool about that is we can. We really can give them Jesus. So is there anything in the way? Will you, will you repent of that and get it out of the way? He's worth it. And you're worth it. You're so worth it. I declare in 2023, New Song Church is a no self-destruct zone. That old chorus, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. Secondly, oh, so firstly, <laughs> the desire of Jesus' heart is you. It's us. 
Secondly, the desire of Jesus' heart is our full enjoyment of his glory. I refer you to last Sunday's sermon. Marty Peterson in the glory. Talking about the glory. Jesus says in John 17, 24, Father, I desire that they also which you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold. I want them with me that they may behold something, that they may see something, that they may deeply appreciate something, that they, be, that they may be that they be may be overwhelmed by something. Father, I desire, this is my heart's ache. This is my heart's ache, oh God. Oh, Father, my heart's ache. I desire that they also which you gave me may be with me where I am. Why? That they may behold my glory, which you have given me. Now, I mentioned before that in evangelical circles, when we think about glory, we think of honoring God, glorifying God by doing things. You know, we honor and glorify God. But you know what? That's part of it, sure. But glory is, we mentioned this definition of glory by John Stott. Glory is the outward shining of God's inner being. It's a very vulnerable thing for God to say, here I am on the inside. This is me. I offer myself to you. My inner heart, my inner desires, my inner abilities, my inner uh, personality. This is who I am. I offer, I let you see my glory. Remember Moses? I just want to see your glory. God offers to see, show us his glory. The outward shining of his inner being. Jesus wants us to see his glory. I remember one time I was doing some preaching on Crater Lake Avenue on evangelizing and ran into this young guy, 20-something-year-old guy. I don't know how, I don't remember all the conversation, but I do remember this. I asked him, have you ever experienced the glory of God? We just met, I never. I didn't know him. Have you ever experienced the manifest presence of God? Have you ever been touched by the felt presence of God? Have you ever experienced that? He said, yeah, one time. And I, I said, tell me about it. He said, well, I was at New Song Church one day. <laughs> that was trippy. I said, oh, guess what? Guess what? I am the pastor. Of that. I served at that church. Tell me about your experience there. He told me that he came to a meeting at Holly Street when we were down on Holly Street. There's a meeting, and he just, just got so touched by God. He just laid, laid out on the carpet. The Spirit of God was just wave after wave after wave of glory. He remembered that. You know, every time you experience the glory of God, whether it's just a little taste or whether it's an overwhelming experience just savor it just delight in it just focus it let let the glory of god the outward shining of his inner being don't let it be a, an also ran don't let it be a thing of sunday afternoons <laughs> let it let it be something that what whatever level you experience it you just you just drink it in you just you just welcome it. 
and you just enjoy it. That's what we mean when we say that our, our, our sign out there says in, in New Song Church is about enjoying God more and more. It's enjoying the glory because we don't have to wait till heaven. When the angels came to the shepherds uh, to announce the birth of Jesus, and remember it says the glory of the Lord shone around. You know what they were saying, friends? They were saying, appetizer. Just an appetizer. Because the Savior is born, you're going to get the glory. You, don't, you have the right to have the glory. It's your, it's your birthright. It's your blood-bought right. It's not because you're particularly religious or did especially well this week. It's a grace-based grace thing. Let's hunger for Jesus and let's hunger for his glory. Are you getting those two points? Every time someone lays hands on you and prays for you, experience the glory. And Seth Dahl, when he, he preached here one time, one of the Bethel Reading preachers, and one time he said, you know, I was seeking the glory of God, experienced the glory of God, and boy, everybody else seemed to be getting touched by God, but I, I wasn't. I couldn't, like, what's wrong with me? You know, when God gave him a revelation, he said, he said, God showed him, when you see somebody else experiencing the glory, glory in that, just celebrate that on their behalf. And then watch out what happens to you. Because <laughs> with him, it, it, he started, his, his, the secret for him experiencing deeper dimensions of the glory of God was being grateful and thankful and praising God for what he, when he saw the spirit of God on somebody else. I thought that was a good point. Do you? Yeah, I think that was a good point. Some of you think that. Three, the desire of Jesus' heart is that we find ourselves reveling in the forever love of the Father for his Son. The desire of Jesus' heart is that we find ourselves reveling in the forever love of God the Father for his Son, Jesus. John 17, 24b that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you, loved, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. What's this invitation? It's something a little bit different for us. It's a little bit like when you're happy to get a Christmas present, but what really rocks your world is when some child or teenager gets a real cool Christmas present, and they're so happy about it, they just, you, just, you just love that happening. You ever been there? You know, it's nice to get those Amazon gift cards. I realize that. We just pass Amazon gift cards back, to, back and forth to each other. <laughs> in, in our families, you know. If you gave me an Amazon gift card, that, that, that's not you. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Bring them on. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to get presents, isn't it? But you know what is really fun? is to see a child light up. Uh, our, one of our granddaughters, Chloe, she got a little blanket. Brenda, Emma it was. Come up here and say what she did, Brenda, will you? It's, it's just really trippy. 
She just got it recently because we couldn't find it. We couldn't find the present. It was behind the curtain, behind the tree. We thought it hadn't come. It was from her Aunt Karen. So we just got it. She got it this last week. And she opened it up. She was so excited about her little kitty, kitty blanket. So she laid it all out. I was babysitting, and John was there. She laid it all out on the floor, and John had us look at all the kitties on the blanket. There's all these cute kitten cats. And pick out our favorite one, and we all talked about all the kitties on the blanket. And so then later, the kids were playing, and the whole evening, she just kept running around her blanket, running around it. And then she finally declared real loud, who has the best ing? That's how she says thing. She doesn't say the th. She just says ing. Who has the best ing? And everyone was quiet. She said, I do, and ran around her blanket some more. So, And that was such a delight to Grandma and to Daddy John. So that may, maybe is sort of a new thought to you, but as you read in the New Testament, as you pray, as you, as you worship, can we, can we realize that as we're worshiping Jesus who adores us, the Father who adores us, the Spirit who adores us, that they have this mutual admiration society amongst themselves, that they absolutely love each other and are thrilled with each other, and that itself um, is designed and is Jesus's, Jesus' heart aches for us to appreciate that, to not only receive and enjoy, but to enjoy their enjoyment of each other and the, the fellowship of the Trinity. And number four of the five, The desire of Jesus' heart in this passage is that we listen very attentively to his ongoing declaration of the Father's name to us. This is the third time I've talked about this, but Jesus talked about it every day for three years. So no belly aching about me talking about this again. Jesus says, you know that that uh, the Old Testament, there's more mention of the Father in this prayer than in all the Old Testament. And I mentioned that in the Muslim world, there are 99 names for God, not one of them is Father. Jesus comes on the scene, and he, and he says in this prayer, he says to God, the Father, he says, I, I manifested your name, Father, to them. I manifested it to them. I kept them in your name. They're like herding cats half the time. These disciples, Jesus is always herding them back. Come on, come on, come on. Father, Father, Father. He's herding them, herding them back to the Father. I, and he kept them in the Father. Something about the love of the Father. And he says to, to in his prayer, Father, keep them. Keep them in your name, O Father. Father, keep them. It's my heart's cry that you would keep them in your name because it's a powerful name, Father. So much happiness and peace and tranquility um, and life flows from this connection to Father. And then, and then he says, I will declare. He says, I have declared. I have manifested. I have kept. You keep. I, I have declared. Now, this word, this phrase, and I will keep declaring your name, Father, to them. Now, listen, listen, this is important. Everything else was too, but this is important. 
Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he's saying, when I die on the cross and I rise from the dead and I go to the glory realm, guess what I'm going to be doing? Guess what I'm going to do every day? I'm going to keep declaring the name Father to my disciples. He's at work revealing the Father to you today. Brenda's going to come and, and finish that point, this point, and mention another one that's just as amazing as all these. I like to have Pat play the piano, so I asked him to. It's just nice. It's a nice vehicle for here, feeling the spirit. So the verse is, I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Um, and the PowerPoint is Jesus desires that we know that he will keep declaring the Father's name to us. We know that he declares the Father's name uh, in the Word. One of the greatest places to learn what the Father's like is to stay in the Word and saturate ourselves uh, in the New Testament in particular. Um, also, I just think one of the greatest ways to see the Father is in nature. You know, when you're out there at the, at the coast or you see a mountain or just something beautiful. You know, we think of the creator, and often we think of the creator as the father, even though we know that all things were created through Christ also. But even, you know, the largest thing, like the Milky Way, um, or the smallest, like the, the, the amazing wonder of DNA, that um, all the information, all the information for every protein in the creature that has that DNA cell, it's in every DNA cell. It's an enormous amount of information. The guy who uh, headed up the mapping the human genome, his name was Francis, I something Francis. Anyway, he said he called DNA the language of God. Um, so even, you know, the greatness of the universe, the, the elegance of DNA, we see the Father. He's, the, Jesus is declaring the Father to us. Um, I'm going to tell a story. Um, Dan had about four days, four or five days, where he was waking up with his hand feeling very numb and kind of paralyzed. And one of the days he was reading the part in Scripture where the man comes into the synagogue with the withered hand and, and the Lord says, stretch out your hand. And at that morning, it was like three or four days in, he, he said, Lord, I want my hand healed. And he, he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't stretch out his hand. And the next morning, it, w it actually went numb and paralyzed, and he had to drop his fork. He was trying to eat. He is left-handed. So he drove himself to the ER. I was in prayer, and then later David and I both went over there. But um, they admitted him, took a CAT scan. He had the, um, his brain bleed that had happened earlier was still seeping, and it had built up. And so they said the diagnosis is we are going to drill holes in your head. We kind of laugh about it, you know, like Dan said, holes drilled in his head. So crazy, brain surgery. So that's what they did and that relieved the blood, you know, it came out. They had a tube and all that stuff. Then he got home finally after several days in the hospital and wanted to remember where was I? Where was I in my Bible reading? And he, you know, looked it up. And, oh, yeah, 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 that's scripture. And he said, Lord, here I am, you know, the man with the withered hand. Let me now please have my healing. And he was able to, you know, have his feeling and his strength in his hand. 
It was a real moment. I'm just saying it kind of, you know, glibly here, but it was a real moment of Jesus and the Father. The Father has, has taken away what was so alarming him, was alarming to him, and now it's better. Now I can do this again. So that is a wonderful story. He, and many of you, if you were standing up here, you have stories you could tell. I also want to tell a story about Charity. Many of you have heard this story. It's a good story. And, and some of you saw her this Christmas. She came to three different services over Christmas, and she said, the services at New Song are so sweet. They're so sweet, which I love her saying that. There she is, and there's little Evie, little Evangeline. So this story, she calls me in tears, freaking out. Mom, I'm pregnant. I, I, sh I should, this is terrible. She, she was in a low spot. Charity's not usually in a low spot. Charity is like the cream that rises to the top. You know, she just always does well. Um, and she was not doing well. She was very anxious in her life. She was having uh, panic attacks. And um, she, uh, she had done so much for so long. We watched her working hard. She was a, a recruiter. She'd make money getting help, helping people get jobs. She was a mother of these two active, way active little boys. And... Um, kind of just doing so much and then now she's pregnant and she was she was having anxiety and she just she just fell apart I was just like Ooh. and Charity it's okay it's okay this baby is going to be a blessing it's going to be a blessing and are you having time with God no I'm not, not really I mean she was crying and weeping and I said you've got you've you've got to make time you've got to get with the Lord because it says if we seek we'll find him if we knock the door will be open if we ask we will receive you've got to get in his presence and receive from the Lord and so she okay, okay. so um she would try she started really trying I mean she's pregnant you you got to see that thing through there's no jumping off the the table you know you got you got to see it through so because she felt actually very claustrophobic I don't know if you've ever been there pregnant women mothers that had babies it's like oh I can't get away from this you know anyway she would put the boys to bed and she'd sit in the rocking chair in their room and seek the Lord she said I would just say my heart to your heart Lord and she says I don't even have words to describe what that meant to me my heart to your heart Lord and she'd get quiet and she'd take the time because she needed to take the time and then she said she'd see him in a hug a hug with the Lord and so then she did that she practiced that and she still had to kind of fight anxiety and oh and so then nine months later here we are you know December 18th she goes in and they they induce labor which they give you something Pitocin or what or a something there's different names and so labor started it was going kind of slow but she was starting to bleed and you don't have to when you're having a baby you don't have to start bleeding all over and so I was there she had a doula lady who was there and nurses and stuff and um, she she was moving towards transition which is she was shaking it was one hard contraction after another and she's bleeding and um, they had given her a, a epidural you know in the back and it kind of they gave her a very low dose it was a low dose so it took some of the pain away but 
the nurse, Charity, would say, are you sure I'm okay? I'm okay, because she was bleeding a lot. And finally, the doctor come in, came in, this doctor lady, and she took one look at everything, and she said, emergency C-section now. And so, sorry. So they're pretty, they're like magicians, you know, like one minute they're standing there, next minute they, they all put these blue things on, and they are out. They just took her out. Like, how do they just do that? The doctor later said it was the fastest C-section she's ever done. Fastest from when she said it to getting it done. And so they're taking her down the hallway to the room. And the nurse said, what are we going to do? She's not anesthetizing. The doctor said, there's no time. And, and Charity said, save the baby. Save the baby. So they brought her in there. They threw like a towel thing over her head. They're supposed to make some kind of separation so they're not watching it. So they threw it on her. And she said, I felt them cut into me. I felt them reach in, pull the baby out. She said it was crazy. It hurt like crazy. And for a couple minutes, quiet, quiet, they're all getting Evie to be okay. So then Evie cried, and she's okay. And they kind of like the whole room. Bays kind of turned and said, the mother's not stable. We've got to stabilize the mother. So, uh... She had to have a, sorry, couple units of blood. I don't know if it's two or three. I don't know what a unit of blood is, but it's something Sherry probably knows. She's a doctor. Was I mean a nurse, not a doctor. But they stabilized her, and, and she was okay. She was okay, baby okay. Later, we were in a room, Tim and I, and the doula, the girl, and they brought in Evie, cute little, cute little baby, and he held her. And we waited quite a while, and they finally rolled charity in and she was there and she held the baby and then she just began to weep real quietly she says i can't believe what i just went through i can't believe how weird that was but the doctor later met with her and they they later had a time where all the nurses and the doctor had to meet and talk about it and and it, she told them later she told charity later um we talked about you because you were so calm, you, were, you had such poise, you had such, you, you contained, she could have been screaming, yelling, she could have been, because she was, that hurt, and, and you just, and then she made, kind of made jokes, she kind of got them all laughing later when they're helping her and sewing her up and everything, and she was able to share her story, and she said, you know, and she told me, Mom, I, I did what I'd been doing for nine months. I pressed back into Jesus. I was safe. I knew I was safe. I didn't know if I was going to die. I did not know. I knew he, the baby was going to live. I believed it. But I didn't know if I was going to go, go. And she said, I knew I was safe. I felt his presence. I knew the Lord was with me. I knew I had eternity with him. And I wasn't shook up. And she was able to tell them that, the nurse and different friends. She was able to tell her liberal friends, this is what happened. And the doctor had told her, you're going to probably have to have trauma counseling, which is fine. If you need trauma counseling, get trauma counseling. But Charity said, I, I didn't think I was going to need it. And she said, I, I never needed it. Because she didn't go to trauma, she went to Jesus. She went to Jesus. And so there again, the father giving Jesus declaring the father's name to her is why I'm telling this story especially since it's around Christmas when Evie was born there they are 
She's been a delight. Her little girl after two boys. And I had told her, this baby's going to be special now. You're okay. It's good that you're pregnant. So that's a wonderful story. Just thank you for hearing it again. It's dramatic. But, uh, yeah, wonderful story. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the last part is Jesus desires that we yet again delight in the Advent story. That we yet again delight in the Advent story. The world has not known you, Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. So just in closing, um, and some of you have heard my story, when, and some of you have had a childhood like this. When I was little, uh, when I was young, I sang in the junior choir in my Lutheran church. You know, some of my girlfriends are out playing softball. Boy, they had these teams, and they were good, and then they're all mad at each other. She didn't throw it to first base, and she lost the game because she didn't catch it. And I didn't even know what they were talking about because I didn't play softball. But I would go every Saturday to our church, our Lutheran church, and Mrs. Erickson would teach us the songs of God, where you learn the theology of who Jesus is. You learn you've got a Savior. He's your Savior. He loves you, and he went to the cross, and he is glorious. But we would learn our Christmas songs all through probably October, November, and December, because we'd have to learn our parts, and we learned all the songs. And then, you know, on Christmas, the church was so beautiful with stained glass windows, and decorated with real boughs and and candles so it smelled like you know pine or fur or whatever it was and we'd go down we had a secret little door in the back down below and we'd we'd go on the stairs go turn go turn go into the sanctuary and you get you at the when it was about time we'd light our candles make sure you don't burn the hair of the person on the stair ahead of you because there they are right ahead of you like eh! And don't, shh, quit talking, quit talking. And so <laughs> we'd hear our, our music and we'd, we'd march up singing our song. And we'd get up on the riser and we'd sing, sing the songs of God. And I just want to say, you know, at, at this age, at this age, still, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, in December, when we hear those songs, it's so tender. Oh. We delight in his advent. We delight in his advent story. Jesus, you came. Father, you sent your son. Father, you sent your son in a manger. Angels, angels sang. Shepherds came. Mary, they, they rode on a donkey to Bethlehem. Fulfilled all the prophecies. You did it, Lord. Your advent is so wonderful. So give your children that. Uh, we don't have a junior choir. But you know, in your home... You can play those songs. You can play those songs during November and December and get the words of those beautiful songs into their hearts that they, uh, we all learn to um, delight in his Advent story. I think that's all I've got. Thank you, Pat. You can probably stay there. Praise God. Thank you, Brenda. I think you look really nice today, too, by the way. Let's stand. Let's stand. We put your hand on your heart for a moment. We'll have a we'll have an altar team that will be up here in the front. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He wants to release miracles to you. 
We have not because we ask not. Let's, let's give heaven no rest about the stuff we care about. But it's my, my prayer, my burden in, in the Holy Spirit from this passage today is that we really value we really value how much he values us. And that when we think in Brenda mentioned a couple stories of, of revelation of the Father, one, how the Father revealed himself to me when that second time I stretched out my hand, stretch out your hand, I stretched it out and it was whole. <laughs> my left hand, it was whole. And that was a Father revelation. It was, one of the, it was amazing. Father revelation. But you know what? Let's, let's ask for those. Let's hunger for those. Let's, let's appeal to heaven for those, for ourselves and for our family, for our family members, that there would be, there would be revelation, Father revelation, God revelations in unique ways. But Jerry Cook had a prophetic thing going in his church real strongly at one time, and, and uh, he was happy about it. I, I'm so happy about the prophetic ministry here. Marty's team will be here next Sunday, not today, to minister at the front here. Personal prophetic words. But, but it's really important that we get to what I'm about to say next in, in conclusion, and that's this. Someone came up to Jerry and said, uh, "Can you give me a can you, can you give give me a word? I need a word." And he said, "Yeah, I got a word for you. I got a word for you. Read the Bible. Read the Bible, my friends. The Bible oozes with Father revelation. Even the Old Testament, when you read it through the eyeglasses of the New Testament." It just oozes with Father Revelation. I challenge you, I invite you, not guilt-motivating you, but it's, a, it's an opportunity to read the Bible through. Get an, you know, I'm doing it by audio. I like to listen. Uh, there's all kinds of audio apps you can get. to. Let's, let's see the Father and the, and the Son and the Holy Ghost in 2023, okay? God bless you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Let's put your uh, hand on your heart. God, we received this word. And we bless ourselves with this word and we apply it to ourselves. Everyone on watching on TV as well. Put your hand on your heart. We impart it to ourselves and we are looking forward with great anticipation. We love you too. We love you back in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.